So here's the question. When the rules we've been operating by have burnt us out and the hamster wheel is keeping us awake at night and stuck, how do we, as expert entrepreneurs who want to make significant impact but just can't take on one more thing, grow our businesses and teams, double our revenue while working less? That's the question. This is The Business Habitat. I'm Sam Dean, your host, and this show explores the answers. Stay tuned and enjoy some brave conversations. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is Business Habitat with Sam Dean. I'm super excited to have Alan Stevens here again, who we met a few weeks ago on a very a similar topic, but a very different one. Alan has been called the mentalist meets Dr. Phil. And the reason for this is he's the leading authority in reading faces globally. So facial profiling. And it was so interesting when I first met Alan, because connection is so important in business and actually really getting, you know, straight to the the heart of it. And we of course, I of course have always done that through conversation questions and stuff like this. I didn't realize the impact and the the connection that you have within your face. And I've certainly seen the facial profiling and a whole lot of the profiling stuff, you know, particularly on FBI shows and all of that sort of stuff that we tend to watch. But I didn't realize the integration into our everyday and that you could actually learn this art. So I thought I'd get Alan back so we can really drill into this really important topic because in this day and age, connecting quickly is so important. And also it just gives you such such a better platform to really connect with people. So welcome back, Alan. Thank you so much. Could you tell us a little bit about, first of all, how you got into facial profiling? It is an interesting topic and and why it's so important. Okay. Well, first of all, thanks for getting me back. Having a second chat with you is always going to be special. The um, reason I got into profiling was the fact that I was dreadful at it. I'd been through a couple of divorces. Mm -hmm. I'd had a lot of broken relationships. I'd had business partners who went to the bank out. Over the years, I've learned different skills, but the facial profiling really came into it in about 2007. And it came to me from the point of somebody mentioning when I was doing a workshop using psychometric profiling, where we were doing some you know, different dichotomies and role playing. And uh, they said to me, have you ever looked at reading faces? And I went, hmm, that seems interesting. So as I always say, the most important thing I'll ever learn is the next thing I learn after I think I know everything. That is very true. Went searching on the internet, found Paul Ekman, who did all the research on the micro expressions, a psychologist from California. So that's where the uh, the mentalist side of it started coming in. I'd been working with things like um, NLP and body language and, you know, how to uh, uh, read um, uh, emotions. But then with the facial expressions, that added a lot more, but also trained with a lady who taught the facial features. And I found that even though the micro expressions and picking up people's emotions and where they're telling the truth, that's sexy and a lot of people are interested in it. But the real solid foundation is in being able to recognize somebody's personality at a glance without asking a single question. So instead of putting them through a questionnaire or working, walking up and having a conversation for a while, if I can see their face, their facial features will tell me their personality immediately before I even talk to them, which means if I've got your photograph, mm-hmm. LinkedIn profiles, websites, mm-hmm. anywhere, I've got, uh, I know your personality. I know how you like to be spoken to. So when I am talking to you, I've already worked out how to change the way I like to speak to match the way that you want to be spoken to. 
And I know that sounds a little bit woo-woo, but if you think about it, you lift weights, you build muscles in your body. We also know that everything we feel inside, we express outwardly. That's why the expressions and the body language work. Put those together. When you're concentrating and working, depending on how you're concentrating, you'll pull expressions. You pull those over and over and over again. It's the same as lifting weights with your, like a bicep curl. You're going to build ridges and crevices in your face. So there's a history of how you like to think and process. That's your personality. Not your character, but your personality. It's what, not what you're thinking and what you're processing, but how you're thinking and processing. Oh, I like that. So it's not what you're thinking, it's how. So that's why it's more personality. That's it. So two people can look very similar and one could be a saint, one could be a sinner. They'll both think the same way, but what they're thinking about, that's where the real truth is. And that's when, when you're talking to them, now you've got the body language and the expressions that give you the feedback in a very short conversation, you can pick up their character very quickly. So my mum used to say, and my grandmother actually, I think used to say this, um, you know, if you keep that expression on your face and the wind might change and it'll keep it. Yeah, the wind's changing, you're going to be stuck with it, yeah. You're going to be stuck with it. That's actually true. I mean, not obviously the wind, but if you, you know, smile a lot or you, um, you know, find joy instantaneously, I was actually, honestly, Alan, you've changed the way I look at people. So I was driving very early in the morning and I was watching this woman walk in front of me you know crossing the road and she her whole face was set in a very sorry guys it's I know I will describe the face so very down curved um, mouth and um, her whole body and all her wrinkles and everything were down and I went she doesn't smile a lot <laughs> um, she doesn't actually think joy it's not that she doesn't smile because people have different styles of faces but yeah and then I saw her turn to her husband as she went round and absolutely get stuck into it about something. And I went, oh, okay, this does sort of kind of work. <laughs> yeah. Well, think about the um, the lines out the corner of the eyes. I know a lot of women worry about, they call them crow's feet and the laughter lines, yep. they're being a bit more polite about it. And they think, you know, I, it, it detracts from my you know, beauty. No, it doesn't. Actually, you know, as I say, beauty is skin deep, but that particular beauty goes all the way to the bone. You don't uh, have those lines unless you smiled a lot. And if your mouth is turned up, it means you also smile a lot. So if I see somebody and there's no, we've had, there's no lines up there, but their mouth is turned up, I know they've probably had cosmetic surgery to get rid of the lines. But if they've got no lines and the mouth is turned down, that is somebody I'm not even going to bother going over and talking to because I know it's going to be a hard conversation. Like you mentioned, the, the woman turned around and had to go at her husband after walking across the road. You know, so that's, you know, I would say to the women, don't uh, fret about having, if you're a mature age woman and you've got those lines, embrace them because that shows your true beauty, the beauty that's inside you. Yeah, it's such an interesting thing too. And um, I mean, I've worked hard for my lines. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I certainly have those laughter lines and I notice them more and more in my mum's now, you know, in the 73, you know, she's in her mid 70s and those lines are so deep and she laughs a lot. You know, she yells at me a lot too, but <laughs> for different reasons. Oh, that's the job of a parent. Yeah, that's the job of a doesn't stop when you're 50. Uh, but, um, yeah, so it, it, it's such an interesting thing. And I, I too, I also think, you know, when we look at some of the, the male actors versus the female actors too and the men, I think that because they don't do that sort of stuff and they keep those craggy lines, some of them don't, but... Um, that it really does like you know and I've seen the most beautiful there's a 95 or 96 year old woman um on face um, um Facebook the other day 
talking and you could see she's never had cosmetic surgery and she just radiated, just radiated. Mm. And you looked at, you didn't, we didn't even notice the lines. They were there for sure. Like, you know, they're very deep, but yeah, it's just, it, it's an interesting thing. So yeah, you want to actually, um, to get very deep too. It's, you know, well, what, you know, why are you getting rid of the lines? But yeah, there's a whole lot of, we won't go down that rabbit hole today. Very good. So, um, how do you learn this? It's such a, such an important tool and it does sound quite difficult. So how do you learn it? how do you start? Well, it's, it's pretty simple. Do one of my courses is where I can always say that people can start. Yeah. It's, um, you know, with me, I'd, I'd worked with just about every modality you think you could think of. I've been a massage therapist, aromatherapy, color therapy, sound therapies. To have an open mind is the first thing. You know, I always believe that the most important thing you'll ever learn is the next thing you learn after you think you know everything. So I always keep an open mind and then I keep my own counsel. So I'll listen to everything that people have got to say and then I will, I will then uh, analyse it and see how it fits for me. I'll go and test it and prove it. Like anything I talk about today, people should go out and test it for themselves to find the credibility of it and how it works for them. But the you know, I've got a free course that I give away, which I'll give you the link to on that, that people yeah. can have a test with that. But it's finding people who understand how to read it, whether it be me or some other face profile. And I have looked around the world to find some of the best so that I could then refer to them as well and also have joint ventures with them. Because I don't believe in competition, I believe in collaboration. And so being able to, first of all, as you learn at the first place to start is really learning to understand your own traits. Because most people are worried about understanding their own. But as I said, if you went to a coach and the coach, uh, and you pay big money to the coach, and the coach turns around and then starts to tell you, well, these are things you can improve, and you get all upset about it. I go to a coach and go, tell me everything that's wrong with me, and I hope you find a lot because I want to get value for money. Absolutely. What's the point, otherwise? <laughs> because once I find out, I can change it. So it's the same thing with understanding your personality traits. If you know, because every trait's got an upside and every trait's got a downside. There is no right or wrong trait. It depends on your strengths, what environments you set yourself up to into. So it allows you to find the right careers and the right situations. And so the more you understand the downside of your traits, they no longer take control over you. You have dominion over them. And so one of the learning the traits, especially when I'm teaching other people, I talk about the downside of my traits and I've got some doozies. And there's usually a lot of laughter around that. And then the person realizes, hey, it's okay. Every trait that's got a high upside is going to have a, a, a low downside as well. So somebody is very expressive in the way that they talk and great presenters. Well, when they do stress, they're going to be just as expressive. Yeah. And to somebody who is more laid back, they're going to be like drama queens. But they're only drama queens to the person with the opposite trait. To people with the same trait as them, that's natural. Yeah. Yes. So it's a situation. But if you know how where your traits are and you know where somebody else's traits are, you then change the way that you like to be spoken to to match the way that they need to be spoken to. And straight away, you've got a relationship. Now, in personal relationships, I guarantee that the person that you've been attracted to, it'll be the difference in their traits that have been the high attraction to you. Over a period of time, we think, oh, the person's changed. No, what we have got done is got used to the upside of their traits it became more common for us, you know, familiarity, as they say, breeds contempt, we get used to it. But now we start noticing the downside and we say, oh, the person's changed. So 
say somebody like you and I who are more um, laid back and take things as they come, we've got a partner who is very expressive. That's exciting to be around when we first meet them. But over a period of time, we get used to that. But now we notice when they do stress, they're very expressive as well. And we turn around and we go, oh, drama queens, you know, it's too much. But if we know that they need to express, my comment to that partner would be, hey, do you want me to fix what you're going through or do you want me to listen to you? Mm. If they say they want me to fix it, either I've screwed up and they want me to fix that or they know I can fix whatever it is that's happened around them or they just want me to listen. If they just want me to listen, then it's got nothing to do with me and therefore I don't take ownership of it and therefore I can give them my time and listen to them. They vent, they get it out of their system and then we're back to enjoying the high side of their traits. So we bring the spice back into the relationship and I'm there for them when they're going through those tough times. Now, I went through two divorces without knowing this. If I'd known that, maybe my relationships would have been better. I certainly, that was some, I mean, I've been married now for um, 23 years, some, some, some time anyhow. Um, and that's, that was early on because I am actually very rant. Well, I don't think I'm naturally that, but I've got myself in situations where I had to rant all the time and, you know, my husband would come in and try to fix it. Mm. And I, you know, we just worked out, don't, don't fix it, just listen. And then he just holds the space and off we go and you're right. And then it's woof and, and off we go again. And then that the opposite attraction because we, you couldn't get two polar different personalities, but what I want to loop back to that's so important, you know, is understanding your own traits. Like everything starts with self, doesn't it? It's exactly. leadership has gone astray and gone, you know, lead businesses, lead teams, but most people can't lead themselves. And it was so interesting. Oh, I want to, and I hadn't approached it that way. You know, I want to learn self, facial profiling so I can read other people's faces. And I'm going, oh, of course, I can learn even more about myself and then how you use that. I love that, that thing. And it's, it's quite confrontational. Like I'm going to think certainly for me early on. It is. Well, as I said, I went through two divorces and one of my traits is critical perception. You put a document in front of me and I'll find an error. If there's an extra space between words or whatever, if there's anything like that, it'll jump out. A picture on the wall that's a millimetre out, whatever, I'll pick that up. And those things are great when it comes to editing in the black and white world. But when it comes to emotional stuff, I can pick up something and think there's something exists. And because I've got aesthetic appreciation, pull back into my cage and let the cave and let it build up and all becomes a, a major issue. And I looked at it and as soon as I realised I had that trait and I realised I've been through two divorces, I went, oh, how much of that was me? Now, if I'd known that at the time, how would that have made things differently? So now if I'm working with somebody and all of a sudden I start to get that feeling, instead of looking at them as being the problem, I go, hang on, the old saying, clean up your own backyard before you look at somebody else's. So I just go, is that my trait being triggered? Now, if it is, I can have that better relationship with that person because then I can go, okay, I can fix this. If, however, I go, no, I'm okay, you know, it's not that, then I recognise there is something with them, now I can judge them more correctly. And I can say, right, yeah, that person, there is something going on there and I can pull back or I can talk to them and get that sorted out. But until I know where it comes from, I can't solve anything. So knowing more about myself and looking at myself first and knowing whether it's my trait that's causing it gives, puts me in, in control. It gives me dominion over the traits that used to control me. So the more I understand those, the less they affect me. And so that's one of the reasons when I first did my training, the uh, lady who taught me the facial features, 
did my profile and yeah, I squirmed at first when she talked about some of the downsides of the traits. And I, first of all, she said, well, look at the upsides first. And I went, yeah, I like the upsides. She said, well, you got the upsides, you're gonna have the downsides as well. Because the upsides is where you apply your strength and everything else and how you, what makes you happy and the work you can do, the hobbies and sports. But the downside will be when the, there's stress around those things. So now I know I can do the stuff I love, but I can then set my environment up so the downside doesn't get triggered. Or if I'm working with people, I know which people to get in to do the work that would have triggered me in the first place for them to do it. And it'd be work that they love to do. And now I've got a team. So I can see the beauty and strength in other people. This episode is brought to you by The Aligned Leader, a six-week program built to combat the leadership fatigue syndrome so you can grow your business without the overwhelm. Mm, because when when we look at it, there's so many things to unpack there. And the first one, obviously, is you know really knowing yourself and taking responsibility that you can only control that element of it. So you need to put people around you that don't necessarily use to understand your triggers and stuff. And it's such deep work. And, um, you know, I've done a lot with the somatic and the body and, and all of that sort of stuff, but this is an extra tool. But what I'm hearing here too, because we've, we do a lot of work in like aligned teams and all of that with the more personality trait, you know, fill out a form stuff. Is this being worked with this, that sort of stuff, like the all the profiling NLP, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Is it work, being worked as a collaboration or is, does this replace it or is it a combination? No, it doesn't replace because there's places where, well, I did a, a workshop yesterday for one of the universities you know, on the business studies and it was pointed out in there that when they apply for a job as a graduate in, they're in the city, for instance, there might be a thousand people or a larger number even going for that one job. You don't want to face profile over them. You want to use the psychometric profiling, which is usually in the application forms that weeds out. Yes, you might lose a couple of the really great people because when you ask questions, people will try and second guess what's being asked. It also depends on how they're feeling that day. So their emotions impact on it. it those tests will tell you what a person feels like in the moment, the same as a micro expressions and body language will tell you. So those situations, yes, you will lose a couple of good people, but there's, you'll narrow it down to where then you can you know, shortlist the people and get them in for an interview. When you got them in for the interview, now you've got their faces in front of you. You know how to use that along with the NLP and questioning techniques, open, closed and probing questions and all the rest of it and different techniques you use in there. You can really find out where the truth is. And you've got the body language and the micro expressions that give you feedback when you're asking them questions. Are they telling you the truth? Have you pushed a button there with them? You know, they, you know, what their resume has said, are they actually able to do all of that? So I would say use them together. If, but if I'm meeting somebody for the first time, they, like a salesperson, they're coming in, I'm say a shop assistant, I can't say to them, hey, would you fill this questionnaire out? But as they walk through the door, I know exactly how much space they need and how much information they're going to need, whether they're a big picture person, like wanting just the overview, or they need a lot of detail. I can look at them and say, this person needs to sit down as opposed to standing up. So there's all the information there that tells me how to structure the conversation to start with. If there's somebody who needs it in a very structured order or whether I can bounce around. If it's somebody who analyzes quickly or, or slowly, first of all, once they've analyzed it, do they want different possibilities or they just want the best way to do it? The face tells me all of that and it tells me the information before I need it. Whereas if you ask questions, you've got to get the questionnaires back 
and then analyze that before you can actually apply it. So you're behind the eight with the questionnaires. Yeah. So, you know, what's the best tool to use up first? Because I mean, I do a lot of network building, obviously, and I think the skill would be amazing at that because then you don't take the next stage. Mm. And my understanding is it doesn't, you know, whether you're on Zoom or face-to-face, you can even do it off a photo. That's it. Well, see, I'm cold calling executives of company when I'm going to introduce myself, for instance. I might be on the phone with them, but I've always already found their website where they got their face or I've done a Google search or I've found their LinkedIn profile. And I'll have them on the phone. I'll do my introdu- you know, introduction, hi, who, this is who I am, et cetera. But, and I'll say, before I dive in and sort of go into what I'm talking about, can I ask you a couple of questions, please? Yep. And I usually say, what's that? And I go, okay. And I'll look at one of their traits. Say there's somebody who has a high analytical trait where they need a lot of information. I'll say, look, have you ever spoken to people that sometimes everything's been going fine and they just switch off on you? They lose interest. And they go, yes. And I'll pick another trait that I can see in their photograph. And I'll talk about the opposite. And I go, after about three or four of those, they're going, yeah, but where are you getting, what's all this about? Where'd you get that from? I said, oh, I'm getting it from your face. And they're going, hang on, we're on the phone. Oh, sorry, I've got your LinkedIn profile and I'm looking at your photograph. And they go, you're getting that from my photograph? And I guess, yes, I'm getting that from your photograph. And you can imagine if I can get that from your photograph, if you had the same skills working with your staff directly, do you think you would understand them better? If you understood them better, you have greater loyalty you'd have less turnovers. You would have people, you could put them into the right job so they're more effective. They go, yeah. And I said, what about your salespeople? Do you think that if they had the skills, they'd be able to read the clients to understand their buying motives, how much information to give them, how to deliver the information to them so that they get more conversions. They're able to value add to the sale that they're doing, but they'll get the sale in the time it needs to be taken for the client's purposes themselves, for the, per- for the needs of the client. And they go, yes. And I go, okay, when are we meeting? There's my cold call done. Okay, so if anyone's doubted doing Alan's course to this point, I'm sure that, I mean, that, I mean, we're efficient. I'm a big behavior efficiency person. I, I feel that, you know, a lot of our behaviors lead to inefficiencies. It's nothing to do with technology or anything. And what you're offering here, I mean, is, um, is, is amazing. And I think too, it's also a skill that, does take self-awareness you know you've got to you know do all that sort of work so like everything it's not an easy fix um anything that's worthwhile doing it's not an easy fix but um if you spent the time learning this I could see the strengths in it and just to save time and then obviously mesh it in with everything else that you're working with it's not an either or that's it it belongs with it but remember that I'm not teaching something that people didn't already know as a child in particular, except for a very small percentage of children who can't pick up expressions or um, uh, facial features, don't recognise things. Every child were perfect uh, profilers. We had to look at someone's facial features to know whether we knew them, whether we didn't know them, if they were somebody that was safe to be around or not safe to be around. That was survival. At the same time, we need to be able to pick up their emotions as well. So the expressions, the body language. And so if it was somebody who we shouldn't be around and they were looking angry, the message was get the hell out of there. If there was somebody that we knew and they were angry, then we might want to come forward and go, hey, what's going on? Can I help you? So we needed all that. But as we got older from being young children, getting involved in sports, hobbies, and all the other things that we were doing, going to school and all the rest, we focused on all the other things because we know that we take in about 2 million bits of information every second. We process about 134 bits of it. There's a lot of stuff that's deleted, that's distorted, that's generalized, etc. 
So where we put our focus is where every, our attention and everything else goes. So if you're no longer focused on reading people because we don't need to as much, now we're, because uh, when we're a baby, we don't know about survival. It's all about our survival. We don't know our environment. But as we get older, we learn to trust and everything else. So our focus changes. And it's just like any muscle. muscle. If you don't work, it atrophies. So yeah. really, all I am is a personal trainer that helps you to redevelop that muscle you had as a child. So this is why it's easy for me to teach people how to read uh, other people and understand themselves as well. Fantastic. And, you know, from a business sense, I think we've heard so much, you know, when you're building business habitats, this is just a, anyone benefits from this. Like it's just a, another tool in the toolbox of this thing that we need to do, which is build relationship connection faster and quicker and for more sustainable periods of time as we go forward. And I think you hit something there that I think is so important where our focus lies. Like I don't think people spend nearly enough time looking at other people let alone listening to them. And I think that if you if you do walk into a room, you don't lead with yourself and, and you do then look at someone else's face and actually spend those few moments looking at their face that's not flashing across the screen, that this is one of the keys to going forward with the connections. Yeah, Chip, you add another connection to it. You're just hiring somebody, you're a boss, and you hire somebody and you're looking for someone who's self-reliant, who has a high level of self-confidence, and you can see those traits in their face, who is you know, action driven and all the rest of it. And you know, can see the big picture very quickly. You hire that person because they fit that role, but then you realize that they've got to work with the team. And the team are made up of people who need to analyze things, who need to build their confidence by doing things over and over. That person, if they're in charge of a team and gives them a project to do, if they don't handle it the right way, the people that they're working with don't get it done in the time they want it done, they'll oh, give it back to me. So now you've got somebody you've hired to be dynamic and everything else, but that person has to work with a team and now you've got team problems. So you can then say to that one who's got the high um, uh, uh, confidence, the uh, self-reliance, who's dynamic and moves fast, who's forceful and competitive, you can say, look, your team is made up this way. This is the advantages that the person who builds their confidence by doing things over and over, when you have a project that's got to be put together, it's got to be a new procedure, it's got to be absolutely right, don't give it to someone like yourself because it'll be done too quickly and there might be holes in it. Give it to the one who builds their confidence, who analyzes things, who will take time and agonize over it. Give the job to them. But also, if you have to get a certain time, it's got to be done at a certain time, you then talk to the, that staff member that you've got and tell them that, hey, it's got to be done quickly. There's going to be a lot of questions. Anybody who does this is going to find a lot of questions are going to come up. Don't agonize over them. Come and talk to me when the questions come up. So you can then work with your team they will be loyal to you. They'll respect you and everything else because you're looking after them. They'll feel that you've looked after them all the way through and you'll get a project put together with a process that will work every time into the future. So it's knowing how to work, say, talk to the other person. So you'll hire them for one thing, but also train them how to work with everybody else. Yeah, and I think that that's key. And I think so much, particularly in the styles of businesses that you know, I work with, with experts and I've also been that highly motivated, get things done type, no attention to detail person. Well, I still am, <laughs> haven't changed, but I, I get a bit better at it. And I think too, you just described a whole lot of founders and entrepreneurs and fast growing business owners that we work with all the time who then do, you know, come into these and do have those high attention to detail people working for them and why then there's this 
thing and just the matter of actually being able to match that and, and taking the time to do that is so important. I think without the questions and, you know, the questionnaires and stuff as well. So can we just leave it with one tip that you would give people, one or two that you would give people who can just, well, first of all, obviously the tip is follow the link to Alan's free course just to start it off and then reach out. I would strongly recommend it. I mean, the free course got so much out of it and just the little bit that you can even learn from there. So that's obviously the number one tip. But if you if you could give us just one thing we could look for in, in this day and that might help us in our daily routine. We'll always say to people, first thing to realise is that there are no two people on the planet who are the same. This is one of the reasons why I moved away from the psychometric profile and we would put people in boxes. It was always a case of realise that everybody's different. Remember that you've got two eyes, two ears and one mouth and you use them in that proportion because when it comes to communication, we've got the words, we've got the tone of voice, we've got the body language. The body language gives us about 55% of the knowledge of the information and the communication. It's equally important to all the other areas, but it gives you more value. So when you do that, realise that the greatest tool you'll have are your eyes. Use them. And when you're asking, you're using your mouth, ask questions before you make statements. I know in the world today, they're saying that it's when somebody starts talking about a problem, on average, it's 19 seconds before somebody jumps in with some advice. Somebody jumps in that quick, you know that it's their stuff that they're dealing with, not with yeah. yours. But in that... 19 seconds? Some, uh, yeah, 19 seconds. It's ridiculous. Well, we see it on Facebook every day. Somebody's even halfway read, through reading a post and they're already putting up the comment. their yeah. comments and abuse and taking sides and all the rest of it very quickly. But the thing to remember is that when you are using your mouth, ask all the questions you possibly can because the whole idea is showing respect to the other person the quickest way you can do that is by asking them questions, listening to what they're saying and building more questions on that. And as I keep saying to people, you ask every question you can think of and then you ask one more. And people say, how can I ask one more after I've asked every question I can think of? And I go, the question is, from what you've been telling me, this is how I've taken everything. This is how I understand it. Have I got it right? Yeah. And then if the person, if you have, they will say, yes, you got it right. That person will be happy with it because they know that they've listened and understood. Somebody who says, no, you haven't got it right, they know that you're interested in getting the answer. So they're still feeling that they'll then open up and have a conversation and you can get deeper into it and people will open up and tell you their life story Yes, in the process of doing it. And in that, the end result is you can't lose when you ask questions. But if you jump in with comments, you're going to alienate people, especially if you don't, didn't understand them. You're telling them you didn't respect them enough yep. because it was important for you to throw your two cents worth in. Amen to that. I think that's the, the biggest skill that anyone can learn. See, my traits, I'm very um, impatient. I'm somebody who wants to get things done quickly and all the rest of it. But people always say to me, when you're talking to people, Alan, you spend ages with them and you're so patient. Learnt trait. It's a lesson I had to learn along the way. Mm. Don't try. Me too. We, I think we're very similar is that, you know, everyone said, I, I don't naturally listen. I just, I know everything, but it's not true. don't know anything. But my husband says, you teach people how to listen? <laughs> I'm still not, I still haven't worked the superpower. I must admit that with my husband, it's not, not that great. But for everyone else, it is a learned skill. And this is what people don't realize is that, you know, these skills are learned. They're not 
they're not natural. And by having the knowledge, as, as you've said today and summarised really nicely, it, it allows you then to learn the, the appropriate skills that you need to, as opposed to just playing to your strengths. Very good. Well, again, thank you so much, Alan. As always, we've learned so much. My pleasure. Thank you very much. And to everyone else out there, as always, be brave and continue the conversation. Thank you so much for your time. We work super hard on this podcast and are passionate about helping expert entrepreneurs build businesses without overwhelm. To help us, can you please leave a review if you loved it on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform?